you're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick and Colin White, portfolio managers with WLWP Wealth Planners, IA Private Wealth. Well, welcome everybody to the next episode of Bare Naked Money. Now, for those who don't understand how production works, we're completely unsure of what order our podcasts are being released. So that's why I'm not introducing it with a number. It's part of the mystery of the Hollywood kind of thing. So, but today we're going to be discussing greenwashing and figuring out what that is. And we have brought along a couple of our local team experts to help us along with us. Right, Josh? Yeah, greenwashing. Probably not a, a word most of our listeners are familiar with. It's a word that I've heard for the first time in the last 12 months or so, but it's an interesting topic and an unfortunate reality of the industry that we're in. So we have Laura Whiteland and Ainsley Mackey from our, our trusted team here today, Associate Portfolio Managers with WLWP Wealth Planners, and really excited to get their, their take as they've been sort of neck deep in the ethically focused uh, push that we've made with our portfolios or some of our portfolios over the last uh, 12 months or so. No, absolutely. And thanks for the good introductions there, Josh. So I'm going to throw the first question to them and we'll see which one of them talks first. So why don't you start off by explaining to our listeners, what is greenwashing? I think I can start off. Uh, greenwashing is the concept of taking a product and marketing it in a way that might not be representative of, of what it actually is. So sometimes you'll see greenwashing referred to in consumer products, cleaner that says that it's environmentally sustainable and maybe it's not, or maybe it's just really only slightly better than the, the, the next leading brand as, as marketing people would say. You're sort of not criminally misrepresenting yourself, but you're, you're misrepresenting the spirit of what someone who's interested in that is uh, looking for. So not necessarily having kind of the, the philosophy and, and the, the intent behind what you're presenting. You know, in the investment industry, that represents in mutual funds or ETFs that are, are labeled as green or sustainable or ethical investments when, when you kind of look under the hood, the, the standard isn't actually very high. So that kind of, that can manifest itself in all kinds of different ways. So. You know, we're looking through kind of the investable world and, and talking to these managers. We've said it before, one of the things we're looking for is that sincere commitment to environmental and social goals. Because I think that's what, you know, we talk to clients, that's what they, they have. They have a sincere commitment. They have a sincere desire you know, to see the world be a better place and they want their money to reflect that. So when we look at some of these funds and it's really, uh, there, there's a, there's an, uh, a fund by a major Canadian bank that will go nameless that, you know, they, they call it a, a fossil fuel free fund and it's literally their global equity fund, but the manager doesn't buy some oil companies and it's labeled in their, you know, sustainable ethical lineup. And does that necessarily achieve any goals other than just making you feel better because there's no oil companies in it? I don't know but it's not trying to achieve any sort of sustainable goals. It's, it's a bit of a misnomer. And if you're, you're trying to figure out what's going on here and it's being presented as this very ethical and very sustainable product. And at the reality is that it's no different than the regular fund, except there's a few fewer companies in it. Uh, you're not really getting what you thought you were getting. You're not getting the whole picture of what you wanted. You know, you're not getting that intention. You're not getting that uh, desire. 
So it accomplishes one thing for that Canadian bank. It's it's marketable for them. And that may be what they're looking for. So that's one of our big issues. And Colin and I have talked about this all the time. We're very critical of, of the marketing approach, the marketing first approach that a lot of financial institutions take. But Ainsley, I'll pose this one to you. Why does all this matter? Why is it important when we're looking at this and, and being critical of this greenwashing effect? So really, when I'm out there talking to clients, talking to people, and they're concerned about their environment, sustainability, any of these sorts of things, if we're trying to uh, present them with a product that is actually meeting their goals, and there's all these products that are on the market which are greenwashed, they've just thrown these tags on there saying they're ethical, they've got this SRI feature to them, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the truth. And it's hard for investors to be able to dig down and figure out if what's being presented to them is the truth. And us as advisors, we have a lot of different mechanisms we can go through to see if that's actually the truth. I just want to give a little example, though, um, how greenwashing even in the industry looks different. I was in a virtual responsible investing conference two weeks ago, and one of the main um, conversations was actually about greenwashing. And the presenters decided that any manager who's adding some ESG screenings or little components like that, that was actually a good thing, that they're adding this risk management that they're calling greenwashing. And I was taken aback because to me that's, a greenwashing is a bad thing. It's not a good thing that fund managers are finally realizing that they should be adding ESG on there um, just to provide some level of risk management. That's it's more than risk management. If someone is looking for an actual ethical investment, there needs to be um, good coming out of it. It's not just risk management. Well, that's what I love about you, Ainsley, because you hit it on the head. It's, it's what the client expects, right? And our job is to understand the client and what their expectations are and deliver to them something that matches their expectations. And the, the conference you're talking about was talking about it from an industry perspective. It's like, well, any progress is good progress. And as long as the funds are doing just a little bit, then we're all better people. And, you know, they're, they're looking at it from the industry perspective. But, you know, from our perspective, that's completely wrongheaded looking at it. You know, because to your point, it's getting to understand our clients and how they see it. And therefore, making sure that we give something that, you know, manifests or, or aims in that direction. Ainsley, you, you, you talk with lots of clients about this. You're our go-to person on the team. Uh, can you give some examples of, of what clients have said to you about what their goals are with regards to what's important to them about green investing or ESG investing or however, whatever words they've put around it? Sure. In most cases, my clients are looking to preserve the future for their grandchildren or their children. They're wanting to make sure they're doing the right thing, investing in companies that are improving um, major issues. So if there's waste issues, if there are sustainability problems, COVID really brought to the forefront that there are resource sustainability issues. So people are looking for um, companies that are providing solutions and making them feel like they can sleep at night, that the world's gonna be a better place when they're gone. All about progress, I guess, is what I'm hearing. And you kind of, Ainsley, touched on an example of where this, this push goes bad uh, before, but I'd like you each to give our listeners the most egregious example of greenwashing. 
look through the records, everything that you've done. You've talked to a lot of portfolio managers over the last year. Colin's got one too. We'll go to you after Colin. But let's start with you, Laura. What's the most egregious example of greenwashing that you've come across? I think honestly that one I referenced before was was one of the worst ones. If you look through the holdings, it was identical and like the way it was presented and when you talk to the company itself, they're pushing it out there as this great environmentally sustainable idea and there's no thought beyond it and other than just we put a marketing feature on here because people think oil companies are bad so this one's fossil fuel free. There's all kinds of different products out there that there's a, a lot of ETFs out there that are, uh, they'll call them green or, or, or ethical. And it's you know, the MSCI Global Index um, with some oil companies pulled out of it. There's all kinds that are, are just sort of minorly bad. And that, that's where the greenwashing comes in. Like it's, it's that none of it's not necessarily egregiously evil. It's just that you're presenting something as it's something that it isn't. Um, but 100%, just same manager, same philosophy, no sun for. Like, <laughs> how about you, Ainsley? Um, I think the I don't know the most glaring things that I've noticed in in bad bad options and um, real greenwashing. I think is where you're really just picking the the best of the worst say in like a mining industry, like the best is not the best of all the other companies that are out there making a difference. Um, so anything that is just doing regular old screenings, you're going to find some real greenwashing issues. Anything that relies on any sort of ESG methodology is inherently biased towards um, the sort of greenwashing effect purely because it, the way the ESG methodologies are designed present this best of the worst as the optimum strategy well that and that was my actual example because so you know, i've been in the industry a while so i've watched this develop like perhaps before it was a thing and was sitting in a presentation where they were presenting their green fund and i'm, I'm the guy so i was reading the holdings and there was a coal mining company in there i said, put my hand up and said why, why is there a coal mining company in your green investment they said well it's the cleanest of the coal mining companies i said oh, okay now you lost me so, you know, that that was a thing and that was an early impediment to me actually spending any time in the space because if that was the reasoning to, to Ainsley's point, I think if I sat and talked with a client who was serious about green investing, that wasn't a good answer. But I will also give a nod to the industry in that there's been, I've heard some very interesting positions taken where, you know, for example, green investing relies very heavily on battery technology Batteries are made up of things we have to pull out of the ground, like mining. So you take away all mining, we don't have batteries, therefore we you know, lose a lot of the advantages we're trying to seek. So you know, I think there can be an argument made for some legitimate allowances around some of those things and still be true to the whole, yes, this is a green fund thing. So I think there is some, but my, another one of my favorite examples outside of our industry, and this is just to maybe give us a break for a little bit, is calling food organic. The definition of organic is carbon-based, ergo ipso facto, all food is organic, but it gets slapped on as a marketing label and you know, the food industry would have the same conversation we're having about this. But the one thing I can't get over, the one thing I still see, organic salt. Of all the things that can be organic, salt is not organic. It's not carbon-based. You, you, it's like you just can't have organic salt. It can't exist. Anyway, sorry, rant over. 
Josh, did you have any examples that you bumped into? Yeah, so I, I won't give you any specific example, but I did talk to a portfolio manager over the last month, and his take was this whole ethically focused investing thing, which largely goes by the acronym ESG, environmental, social, and governance, right now is mostly about the E, the environmental aspect of things. That's what people are primarily focused on. And within the E, people are primarily focused on carbon and minimizing uh, carbon um, uh, emissions. So we're leaving aside this whole spectrum of ethical ideas that are being mostly ignored because we're focusing on such a, a small piece, maybe 10% of the, the overall issue. And maybe this is the most prominent issue right now, and, and that's the reasons for it. But for us to call things ESG and then just focus on the E, that in and of itself is a little bit misleading as well. Well, as one of our you know very famous teammates actually pointed out to us that you know as long as you're low carbon, you could be dumping pure poison into the river and still qualify as an ESG fund. Right, Laura? I think it was you that gave me that example. I, I think so. Um, and this is where I think the going back to the intention, I think is important. You know, I've thought about, you know, you see people getting interested in having, you know, solar panels on their roof. I live in Nova Scotia and we pay a lot for electricity. And it's not necessarily out of an environmental concern or a desire to see lower carbon emissions. People just don't want to give Nova Scotia power any more money. Um, and I think that's a factor you see in our industry is that you see managers that are saying, okay, well, environmental damage is as an investment risk. And that's going back to what Ainsley was saying about risk management. If you're the worst polluting coal company, well, at some point there might be a regulatory fine leveled against you and that's going to affect your earnings. And I think from a, an industry perspective, we've incorporated a lot in, a lot of managers are using that, but that doesn't necessarily make it an ethical investment. That just means it's, got proper risk management that we probably as an industry should have had for the last hundred years. It doesn't mean you're being progressive. It doesn't mean you're leading the pack. It just means you're looking under more rocks than you used to, to find the, uh, the controversy. Well, and I, I guess that's, that's the point here. I mean, the, the whole, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here is to move the goalposts. And, you know, and if you're going to be moving the goalposts, then you've got to set your standard higher than where the, you know, the industry or the world is naturally evolving to. Because I've said this before, we're gradually cleaning up our mess. I mean, we have different environmental problems now than we had 40, 40 50 years ago, because we have fixed some stuff, but we're on to the next thing, and we always have something we should be trying to get better at. You know, the whole point of to call yourself ESG is to say that you've gone outside of the norm, and you're making a super extra effort to try to be better. But maybe we should move on and ask, how do we deal with this when we're putting together an ESG portfolio? Well, and this is where I think we need to be cognizant of it and we need to be aware that it's out there. And it, it is, some of those products can be useful when we're building an entirely ethical portfolio. Because the other concern whenever we're talking about investments is we do need to you know, deliver an investment return. So if we put 100% of your money into some of the most groundbreaking technologies and they don't work out, well, that's a very risky and speculative proposition. You know, there is some degree of room, not necessarily for the best coal companies in the world. Well, that's not really going to fit an ethical mandate. But there is large retailers that are more ethically and socially grounded uh, than others. And there, you know, there's all huge components of the economy that aren't necessarily at the forefront of environmental emissions, but do fall on a, a spectrum of, of 
better employee treatment, you know, better you know, treatment of their, the communities they operate out of. Um, so having some room for some of those maybe less sustainability focused funds is going to give you a better overall return. So it's not to say that it's a 100%, if something's greenwashed, it doesn't belong in your portfolio, but you need to understand what it is and you need to understand how it's relevant to you. And then from there, incorporating managers that do have a more sustainable focus to help push that progress and to, and to push the, the goalposts, as, as Colin said. Uh, we want to make sure that when your, your portfolio as a whole is delivering on those ethical values, but at the end of the day, you also have to retire or you have to put your kids through university. And we want to have a, a well-balanced uh, portfolio within that. So it's about understanding what's in there and being able to look under the hood and, and feel confident that overall you're meeting all your needs. So Ainsley, are there any specific qualities or attributes that you would look for in an investment manager when you're evaluating a so-called ethical product, ethical investment? Absolutely. I think the fund manager already has to have a commitment to making a change. There are some out there that um, really they aren't following any different process than they were in any other investment. Two of the fund managers that we've um, investigated quite thoroughly, they've been at the forefront of making changes to ESG investments in Canada for years. So they're extremely committed, they know the companies that they're investing in extremely well, um, and they, I would consider them the, the expert on those companies. So as a follow-up question to that, over the last year, year and a half, we've seen a real proliferation of these, these green or ethically focused investments out there in the market. Are the goalposts moving in the right direction? Are, are we getting better with some of the stuff or is it just more of the same uh, garbage, so to speak? I think it's a combo. Um, some, some advisors and uh, managers are really trying to do the right thing and push things forward. And then other ones are just jumping that bandwagon and trying to make a buck because they know that that's where the industry's going. Um, it's like Colin gave the example of the grocery store and um, health food and, and organic foods. You're in the grocery store and there's the health food section and every company is trying to come up with their own version of healthy food when it's not necessarily healthy food. On a, on a grocery item, you can turn over the side and look at the ingredients and see exactly what's in it, whereas the investments, we can't see that, right? There are people who are making progress, but there are others who are just jumping on the bandwagon. I, I think I can actually give you a, a combination of both in one company. Um, we're, we're looking into a fund right now where the, the fund company decided that now was the time to launch their ESG portfolios because it is what's hot right now and it is what's uh, what they're interested in uh, and as a counterpoint one of the pms who has in the last few years gotten very interested in esg and ethical investing sort of fought with them to make sure that he was going to be the portfolio manager on the fund so you have a manager who has a genuine desire to sort of see that strategy but it was really sort of a marketing executive decision that well we need to have this because that's where the money's going so it, it's a bit of a complicated time because there's, you know, there's dollars to be made and these fund companies are not, they're not stupid. They, they know that there's money flowing into these and as long as it's got the right name on it, there's people that are going to be interested in it. So, you know, you can only hope that a manager that's going to do right by the, by basically the fund name is going to be in charge of it. Well, I mean, as I've described the financial industry, we're great at playing the game of holes, snakes and ladders. You dig a hole. You know, in this case here, ooh, the environment 
was there's bad things happening in the environment and you throw in the snakes is do you love your kids yes i love my kids how, how can i love my kids and then they put the ladder in the hole saying you need to invest in this product and that means you love your kids so you know that's how the financial industry operates all the time and we're really good at it and sometimes very well-intentioned honest nice people get caught up in it because again as we've described the esg investing is not an all or nothing like if you don't invest this way it doesn't make you evil because again it's it, everything gets scored on a on, on a bit of a curve but yeah the, the whole game of holes snakes and ladders it is a very effective game and yeah, the, the are the our industry plays it better than virtually any other industry yeah, so as we said a couple of times, our industry really likes to acquire assets and attract new money to these investment types of products. And greenwashing is just the latest and a long list of these marketing first types of approaches to the money management world. And what we're trying to do here, what our core focus has always been is making sure that it's not marketing first. It's going to be goals and objectives first and how we best accomplish those that supersedes everything else that we're doing. And if anybody has any questions, you could reach out to us directly. We do have the horsepower and the team who spent a lot of time in the trenches on this. So we can uh, get into the weeds with you a little bit and explain to you what's real and maybe what's not so real. This information has been prepared by White LeBlanc Wealth Planners, who is a portfolio manager for IA Private Wealth. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of IA Private Wealth Inc. IA Private Wealth Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. IA Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which IA Private Wealth Inc. operates. Based on observation, it seems that the time an investor is most likely to move his or her portfolio to a new advisor is when the old advisor dies. Let us go on record as saying that having a pulse is not a great reason to trust someone with your entire financial future. Stop putting your life in the hands of stillbreathingwealthplanners.com and call us.